All right, friends, let me uh, get us started with asking this question. Have you ever met a famous person in real life? Like, not like you just happened to like, you know, he, he liked one of your things. Like, you met a famous person in real life. I'm going to take one from this side. What do you got? That's why I don't do crowd work anymore. So here's the thing. We're going to move on, okay? I'm, if, you, if you met someone that, like, was famous, think about that for a second. But especially, like, in this age of, like, Spotify, where there's all these, like, artists where, like, they're famous, but, like, not really famous, they're just famous to you. Have you ever, like, met someone, like, ran into them, like, at, like, a coffee shop or in public or something, and you knew who that person was, but no one else knew who that person was? You're like, that person's famous, and you guys are missing out, so you don't know that you're in, like, the presence of royalty. Okay, kind of, what? Yeah, 100%, exactly like that. So last year, I went to, like, it was a little two-day conference thing, um, in Dallas, Texas. And so I went there and the first day of the conference went great. We get back to the hotel. I forgot my toothbrush. So this is at the end of the day. So I had to go down to the front desk, be like, Hey, can I get a toothbrush? And so then I am standing in line. Surprisingly, there was a line at midnight and there's one guy in front of me and I'm standing there. And then this person walks in right behind me. And of course, like, I don't know, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I mean, you'd look around. So I'm just kind of like this. And the person who was behind me was one of the conference speakers. And not just like one of them, like he was like the conference speaker. And a little bit about this guy, like he has written books, like I literally have three of his books in my bookshelf in my office. Uh, his podcast is in the top 10 podcasts in Christianity, like genre. He's speaking at Passion, this, if you've heard of the Passion conferences, he's speaking at Passion this fall or this winter and stuff. Like this guy's like a really cool deal. And he's standing in line at midnight in this random hotel. And then I'm like, this is my time to shine. What do I do? How do I not mess this up? Like, cause I've, I've, I've met a famous person before and I just ruined it. Like I still get nightmares about it. And so like, do I ask for a picture? Like this midnight, he doesn't look good. I don't look good. Like, do I say something? And so then I was like, all right, here we go. So I just turn around and I say like, hey, did a great job today. He said, thanks. That was it. That was my moment. I didn't ruin it. It was good. In, out. It was great. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking like specifically like, okay, I know that this guy's a big deal. Verified on Instagram. He's got all the things, right? But the person in front of me and everyone else at the, at the, the desk, no one else knew who this guy was and no one really even cared. But I knew this guy is a big deal. And I start there because like, we're going to talk, you know, we're, we're here to talk about Jesus. And the thing is, is like, there's so many people where like, we know how big of a deal Jesus is. Maybe you know how big of a deal Jesus is, but then other people around you, you kind of, they just don't really care. Like they, they maybe just like, ah, eh, cool, ah, eh, big deal, or whatever it is, or whatever, like some people don't even know him, but we're like, he's the greatest thing to ever exist in the universe. And we get to be in this place where we get to talk to him and we get to pray to him and we get to do whatever we want, like about that. And so, Literally tonight, we are, we're talking about Jesus. We are in this series called Colossians, and we kind of made the subtitle of asking, like, who is Jesus? But specifically, like, but why does it matter? Like, who is Jesus? Because everyone in here probably knows there's a guy named Jesus, came to the earth, died on the cross. People say he rose from the dead, and people have, ne like, necklaces about it. But, like, who was he? Who is he? And why does it matter? 
And this book of Colossians is really kind of the whole theme is centered around Jesus. And so uh, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, um, you know, I'll just kind of sum it up real quick. And actually, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Um, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen um, later. But if you've missed the last couple of weeks, um, here's the thing. We've kind of talked about the, like the historical context. Like this was a real letter written by this real guy named Paul to a real church in the city called Colossae. That's where like the word Colossians, people of Colossae. And the last two weeks we talked about the context. We also talked about like how those first uh, literally like 14 verses are all just an introduction. You know, a letter has a greeting, an intro, like it has the main text and a closing. And so we just finished the introduction last week. And if you missed it, we actually uh, launched our podcast last week. And so you can go to, I think right now it's on Spotify, but next week it'll be on everything else. But our sermons are uh, literally on there. So if you ever miss a week, you can just check back in later. But it's just under the bridge and I think hyphen Discover Church KC. It's super easy like that. Um, but we, we were talking about how this letter was designed to, like, from Paul to write to this church, be like, hey, you guys are kind of drifting off a little bit. You know, you guys are, you, you apparently believe in this truth, like you believe in Jesus, but other things are starting to influence your beliefs. And so um, he was writing this letter to kind of help correct all this. And this passage that we're going to read, it, it starts in verse 15, is kind of the pinnacle of the entire letter. Like every argument that he makes is built around this one passage, like the main idea, the main, like, when he says, hey, you should do this because of this reason. Hey, you, should, you shouldn't believe in this because of this main idea. Like everything revolves around this week. And so this is literally one of the greatest weeks that you could probably could be here to, like, to listen to this because we're going to talk about like who is Jesus and why does he matter? And so the big idea for today is answering the question of who is Jesus. This is the big idea. That Jesus is God, Jesus is Savior, and Jesus is King. The whole message, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is God, Jesus is Savior, and Jesus is King. And so we're going to see that in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, and we're going to read uh, a couple verses. This is what it says. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This keeps going and it says in verse 18, or no, this is still in 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This word preeminent just means he's supreme. He's awesome. He's the best. He is, no one trumps or beats Jesus. He is preeminent. And it keeps going, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And so tonight, answer the question, who is Jesus? And the first thing is that Jesus is God. If you're taking notes, point number one, Jesus is God. And verse 15 through 17 is where we're going to actually kind of see this. And so let's throw verse 15 real quick. He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, here's the cool thing for the people that are here in the room right now is I can just kind of point, we can walk through this together. But like this word image in the Greek, uh, Kevin actually pointed this out because the guy actually knows like ancient Greek and stuff. This word in Greek is pronounced icon, is where we get the word icon. It, like if you were to read it, it literally looks the same, like icon, icon. But what this is saying is that Jesus is the icon of God the Father. Like, like God, you cannot visibly see God 
but we can see Jesus. And that's what this whole thing is. So if you want to know what is God like, what does, uh, you know, what does God like, what does God hate, what makes him happy, what makes him cry, you can look to Jesus and you can be like, okay, what made Jesus cry? What makes Jesus happy? What made Jesus sad? Like, what are the things that just fire Jesus up? What are the things, you know, like all those things? We can look at Jesus and that's how we know the heart of God, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Uh, the next thing, it says he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, again, we're, we're going through this slow so that way we don't misinterpret this. This does not mean that Jesus was like created or Jesus was born. Like, yes, like Jesus was born by Mary, but like before creation and stuff, like Jesus existed. No one made Jesus. Jesus existed, right? And so, but, so what this is saying, like Jesus was the firstborn of creation, is this is talking more of like the power and the authority like that what a person would have if they were the firstborn in that day. Like the first one was the one who had all the say. He was the one that had um, all the inheritance. He had all the rights and all the rules and everything. So this is God saying like, yeah, Jesus has all the stuff that I have and all the stuff I have, he has. It's, it's the same. Like Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, meaning he is the most important in all of creation. And it goes on, it says, and by him, everything was created. And it lists off in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, like everything was created through him and for him. So in the physical world, in the spiritual world, and anything you can imagine, like Jesus made it. Like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like the Trinity, like he made it. No one created Jesus. Jesus made everything. And what's crazy is it says that he made everything through him. So meaning he made him and he made them for him. So if you have ever wondered, what's my purpose? What am I doing? What's the point of life? Jesus was like, hey, I made you for me. Like I made you for a specific purpose. And so the whole thing of like, we were made to give God glory, to just like tell him how incredible all of creation is. And we were made to worship him and really just like enjoy being a Christian, being created by him. Like that's the whole point of everything. He was we were created by him and for him. It says he's before all things. Again, no one created Jesus. And then it finishes in saying he holds all things together. Like, everyone, take a deep breath in real quick and breathe out. The only reason, this is, this is the craziest thing, the only reason why any one of us was able to breathe right now is because Jesus allowed it. We, like, we can take this at its word, being like, hey, he holds all things together. Like, the fact that we are breathing, the way that our body can move and function, the way that we're able to walk, we're able to talk, we're able to do anything is because of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Like, you can talk about how all, all the crazy things of like when it comes to astronomy and there's been sermons and, and everything about uh, how incredible astronomy is. But like, let's just take the earth for example. The earth is at a specific like tilt and stuff, right? And how, that's how we get the seasons and it goes around the sun and everything like that. Like if we were like closer to the sun, like, we would melt. And if we were further away, we would all freeze. It's like, like God's being like, doo, 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 doo. like he's going around like because he is the one that is holding it all together. The reason why the sun rises in the east and sets in the west every single day is because Jesus is God. And God is literally the one who's doing it every single day. Again, this whole point, this whole passage is to be like, 
We're supposed to read this and be like, oh, Jesus is kind of awesome. That is the whole thing. Jesus made everything, and he is the one holding all things together. And so here is why this matters. Here's why this matters. If Jesus is the one who created and formed and shaped how beautiful the Colorado mountains are, and he's the one who designed how beautiful, like, the, the Pacific Ocean is. And he, he's the one that, like, designed every single leaf that falls from every single tree to look and function exactly how it is. He's the one who created everything, and he's the one who's holding everything together. That same God, like, sees you. And he was the one who made you, and he is, he is the one holding you together. And so he also then knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what kind of semester you're having. He knows what kind of home life you have. He knows your, your friend's situation. He, he knows every single thing that's going on. And what's wild about that, he, he, what's wild, the fact that he has seen everything you've done and will do, is that he still loves you. Like, he knows everything. He knows how many times we've rebelled, how we've used the same breath that he has given us to rebel against him, and he still loves us. And this is the crazy thing. This is the second point. Point number two is that Jesus is Savior. Like, Jesus loves us, and Jesus is a Savior. Let's look at verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. So this head, think about like the head of the table. Like there's like a power or an authority that comes from like being like the head of something. And this is also kind of this picture, or this metaphor of symbolizing, like if you ain't got no head, you're not surviving. You know, like you can be on enough like machines and stuff to kind of survive if you like, you know, don't have, like you can lose an arm and be okay or whatever. If you ain't got no head, you're done. So the, this picture of that he is the head of the body, which is the church, is being like, he is the one who created and sustains and nourishes the rest of the body. And this word church is, is another Greek word. It's called like ekklesia. And it's, it means, it means, it means uh, like the best translation is it's like an assembly of people. It's, uh, or specifically like the, the literal translation is it's the called out ones. So every believer... Every Christian who's ever existed, exists, and will exist, like, that is what we would call the church. And Jesus is the one who is the head of the church. So Jesus is the one who provides authority. He's the one who's got the strategy. He's the one who kind of does everything. He is the head of every believer. And it continues, and it says, um, he is the firstborn from the dead. Again, not talking about, like, he was the first one to be raised from the dead, like, Jesus rose people from the dead. In the Old Testament, people raised from the dead. This is saying, yeah, him raising from the dead was the biggest deal out of all the people who raised from the dead. Because through his resurrection, we can all now have resurrection as well. Like we can have eternal life through his eternal life. When he raised from the dead, and it says that in everything he might be preeminent, he just flexes on sin, on Satan, on everything possibly like bad that can happen. He's literally saying, hey, when I raise from the dead, that means that sin doesn't win anymore. I'm going to win at the end. That is what it means by he was the first one for that because his resurrection is the pinnacle of Christianity. We can be Christians because of his resurrection. Like if he stayed dead, what's the point? We lose. But because of his resurrection, we now also get to enjoy that and we get to have eternal life. And then it continues, and it says, he is the fullness of God and was, was, to ple was pleased to dwell in him. So, meaning like, if God was going to be here on earth, 
the only place that God was like, I'm okay with me being on earth was in Jesus. Like, again, this is like this weird kind of like heady theology. I know everyone's in school, and so you guys are learning a lot, but here's the thing. There's nothing more important than learning about Jesus. That's, that's the simple truth. So let's learn about Jesus, and this is who he was. He's the, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, and through him reconcile to himself all things. This word uh, reconcile or reconciliation it really just means to kind of restore something. Like if you and a friend got in a fight, man, your friend was like talking some mad gossip about you, said something bad about you, you guys got in a fight or verbally or over social media or texting, whatever it was. But if you guys made up, that relationship is reconciled. It's a hurt or broken or damaged relationship that is restored back to like unity. That is what reconciliation means. And Jesus is saying, hey, I can reconcile your relationship with God the Father through me. And this is the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And it's the good news that we can have a restored relationship back to God the Father. And how that relationship was able to be reconciled, which is crazy, which says by making peace by the blood of the cross, was that Jesus had to come to the earth. He had to die on the cross, the death that we deserved. The, like, and when he died, he didn't just like physically suffer, which he did, but every sin that we ever commit deserves what's, what's sadly called like the wrath of God. Like meaning, like, if, like I, how I said, we are breathing the very air that Jesus is allowing us to breathe, and we use that same breath to say and do really hurtful things and rebel against God all the time. And so what Jesus, what we deserve from that, every single person in this room, every person who's listening, like what we deserve is to be punished by God. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he literally took on that punishment in our place. And through that, when Jesus, he, he died and was buried, but then he rose again. And through that, we can now have a restored relationship with God. And so, but what's, what's bigger than this, though, is that this is saying he's going to reconcile to himself all things in heaven and on earth. So, yes, this is talking about us, but we live in a broken world. And what Jesus promises is he is going to reconcile himself everything. He's going to, you know, he's going to get rid of poison ivy. He's going to get rid of the, the hornets and everything like that. The things that we hate, yeah, God's getting rid of all of those. God is going to restore what we broke but he's going to do that in a couple ways. For us, for, for people, there's two ways that he's going to reconcile this. And the first way is really like we can do it through like following Jesus, through being a Christian, through surrendering and being like, hey, Jesus, I'm following you. It's like through faith. Like I believe that you died and you were buried and you resurrected for my sin. And so I trust in you as the Lord of my life. Like that is one way to have a reconciled relationship is through the forgiveness of our sins. But what the people who have never done that? This isn't saying that everyone's going to be saved. Like, that's, that's sadly not true. And friends, like, this is, this is the sad truth. Like, Jesus is going to have peace. He is, I promise you, according to his word, he is going to have peace. And that peace can either be through him forgiving your sins, or it can be through him destroying the rebellious people. Like, his enemies are going to be destroyed. He promises that 
Read the end of the book. It's in there. And so, peace with Jesus can be either through being forgiven of your sins, through Jesus, or through being an enemy of Jesus, and he'll take care of that later. And there is no in-between. So let me ask you this. Um, if the forgiveness is only through Jesus, I have a question. Like, have you actually been forgiven by Jesus? Have you asked God for forgiveness? Have you been like, Jesus, I'm messed up. I'm in this hole, and I was the one that dug it, and I need forgiveness. Have you done that? And if you haven't, today is an amazing day to do it. For real. Like, forgiveness is readily available for you. But if you haven't done it, the Bible says you're still an enemy of God. So how do we have Jesus as our Savior? How do we have Jesus as our Lord? How do we get this forgiveness? And this is the third point, is that Jesus is king. Like Jesus has to be your king in order to be, get forgive, in order to be forgiven. He has to be your king. Verse 21 says this, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind. So alienated mean like you were separated, you were separate apart, you were uh, like you weren't with God, you were alienated from God, hostile in mind, meaning you hated God, like none of our thoughts were, were good. This is how the Bible describes this. I don't care what your mama says, like your mama might even be listening to this right now, like how the Bible describes people who are far from Christ is alienated from God, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds. Comma, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh, meaning in Jesus, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. And this is, this is the crazy thing. There's this, like, this theological word, and, and friends, again, stay with me for a second. There's this theological word that you, you need to know, because this, makes you, this will encourage you for the rest of your life, is what this is. This is talking about this word called justification. It means like you've been justified. The, the word literally means you have been declared righteous. That means like if God looks at you, you sinful you, sinful me, if you have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, he doesn't look at all the sins you've done and are going to do and are doing right now. He looks and he sees Jesus instead. So Jesus in our place kind of says like, hey, He's good. I paid for his sins. Like the debt has been paid in full and that's how he's able to present us blameless and above reproach, holy, perfect, without sin because God sees the payment of Jesus instead of our sin. That's what it means to be justified. That's the stuff that will get you fired up. And this is the craziest thing about it is that this is free for every person who is listening right now. It is a free gift, but it costs you being a servant of Jesus, because it continues, and it says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard. Man, don't we get distracted all the time? Man, like, especially like culturally, I mean, this is the reason why this, this letter was written in the first place, is because they were getting distracted. Getting distracted. Culture starts to say stuff, and, and man, Christianity's hard, and, and all these things, and, but it's saying, hey, don't shift from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
this word minister in, in the, the Greek, and if, for the Liberty people, if you've seen it on I-35, this word minister in Greek is called diakonos. If, you've, if you're on Liberty, like it's, there's this counseling place called diakonos counseling or something like that. It literally means servant. Minister does work, but the better translation is servant. And that is what we have been said to, is that we get this freedom. We get this forgiveness. We get to be justified, declared righteous in front of God Almighty. And what we get in return is just being like, hey, Jesus, you're king. I will gladly be your servant. If I get forgiveness, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You are the king. I will be your servant. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this word Lord is kind of, you literally like change it out for king. And that's what it means. It being like, hey, Jesus, you're the king. Whatever you want, it's all yours. Both hands open. Whatever you want in my life, it is all yours. I'll, I'll start doing whatever you want. I'll stop doing whatever you want me to stop doing. It's, it's like, Jesus, my life's yours. I trust and I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me and you rose again from the dead. Jesus promises that if you do that, you will be saved. And this is a gift from God. We talked about this last week that in Ephesians 2, that this grace is a gift. Because it's all, Jesus did all the work. He did all the work. All we have to do is have faith. And that is the crazy thing about this. Paul says that he is a servant. So let me ask you this. If you are a Christian, meaning you are a servant, you are a believer, you, you follow Jesus, like whatever you want, it's all yours. If you are a servant of Jesus, you are a Christian, what do you need to do this week? I was specifically like in reading this, like the, this passage doesn't say, hey, so then do this. It doesn't say, hey, so you need to do this. Hey, you need to go to school and do this. It's super vague because all we are meant to do is read this passage be blown away by how amazing God is. And God like literally just does like this work where we are like, all right, I, yeah, I need to, if I'm a Christian, I need to do Christian things. But we talked about this last week, like it is in the specific order. It is a Christian does Christian things, not you do things to be a Christian. You can't exhaust yourself in being fake and just doing all these good things. That's not what makes you a Christian, a Christian is someone who has trusted in, in faith that Jesus was legit in everything he said, and you're just going to follow him. So friends, what do you need to do as a servant of Jesus this week? Maybe that looks like you just being a good student. Be a good student for the glory of God. Maybe it looks like you need to tell someone this. Again, this church was started because someone else heard a message that heard a message, heard a message and then they started this church. Like, let's go be ministers. Let's go be servants of Jesus in our schools and in our works and in our families and our homes. But friends, last thing, if you have never just tasted for yourself the grace of God, you've never been forgiven, the Bible says you are still currently an enemy of God, but that can change tonight. And that can change by surrendering everything to Jesus. And I promise you, your small group leader would love to talk to you about that. And if not your small group leader, come talk to myself or literally any leader. They would love to show you what that means and what that looks like. But what are we going to do this week because of God's grace and because we are servants of him? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you're awesome. 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this like gem of a passage where we're just supposed to read it and be in awe of you and your grace and your love and your power. Like you are God. You are the creator of everything. You are the king and you are a savior. And God, even like your word even describes later that you're our friend and it's just amazing. God, we love you. Would you please help us to love you more? And God, would you please encourage and embolden every single person listening right now that they would live their lives worthy of the calling which you've called them, that they would walk like Christians, they would talk like Christians, they would be Christians. God, not to like appease you or to try to almost like fit into like a better staying with you, but God, simply because they've been changed, because we have been changed, because I've been changed. God, would you please fill us with your Holy Spirit to do your work. In Jesus' name.